President Biden recently announced assigning multiple executive actions related to increased restrictions on guns. As is typical whenever any president proposes measures for increased gun control, his announcement's been met with very vocal support on the left, which has heralded his proposals as long-awaited reforms that don't go far enough to curb gun violence in America, and also significant opposition on the right amid accusations of Second Amendment violations. However, both of these extreme views of what Biden has proposed are actually pretty far off base. So I want to take a look at exactly what types of gun control measures Biden is proposing and see what the practice effects of these actions are likely to be. First, let's start by listening to what Biden had to say about his proposal on trying to prevent people from obtaining what he calls ghost guns. Want to rein in the proliferation of so-called ghost guns. These are guns that are homemade, built from a kit, that include directions on how to finish the firearm. You can go buy the kit. They have no serial numbers, so when they show up at a crime scene, they can't be traced. You know, I want to see these kits treated as firearms under the Gun Control Act. So Biden says basically that ghost guns are an epidemic that has to be curbed because they make it more difficult for law enforcement to catch people who do illegal things with them. So first off, I wanna say a little about what a ghost gun is and what it is not. A ghost gun is basically a firearm that's not registered and has no serial number or other identifiable information that law enforcement could use to trace it back to the owner. In movies, you'll often hear people talk about untraceable weapons, and they usually imply that they filed off the serial number or something like that. But in reality, this isn't a ghost gun. It's just a gun that was registered to someone, and after registering it, the person tries to scrub all the identifying information off of it. However, there are a few problems with doing this in real life that make it possible for law enforcement to trace the gun back to its owner and make it not really a ghost gun. Although, before I go through what these are, I think it's worth noting that it's a federal felony to be in possession of a gun with the serial number filed off. So the first problem with trying to remove the serial number from a weapon is that a person probably won't be able to do it sufficiently well to prevent the crime lab from recovering it. And this is mostly because crime labs have methods for recovering the serial number even if it's been filed off, and even if it's been done seemingly quite well. The most typical is to use various acid etching techniques. This isn't always ideal since sometimes only a few of the numbers can be recovered, plus if the gun has never been used in a crime before or it was stolen, it can be somewhat time consuming for law enforcement to figure out who used the gun to commit a crime. But there is a relatively new technique called electron backscatter diffraction, or EBSD, that uses an electron microscope to examine the atoms in metal and is capable of restoring a full serial number on a gun in about an hour, even if the number is totally invisible to the naked eye. So again, the fact is, filing off a serial number doesn't make it a ghost gun since law enforcement can still quickly likely figure out who the owner is. Another reason that it would be difficult for a gun with a filed off serial number to be considered a ghost gun is that it's quite likely that a person trying to remove the serial number from a gun will not be able to remove all of them since there may be more than one in different places on the weapon. Because federal law mandates that serial numbers be present on the frame or receiver of the firearm since these pieces are, in a sense, the gun, whereas other pieces of the weapon might be able to be replaced or removed. But many jurisdictions also require serial numbers on all the essential parts of the gun, like the barrel, slide, action, and cylinder, to avoid closely matched parts being inadvertently exchanged between firearms of the same make and model to mask the weapon's identity. All that is to say, ghost guns don't really come from people removing the existing serial number off of a gun. There's really at least two places that ghost guns actually come from. The first is pretty simple. The 1968 Gun Control Act required that all firearms manufactured or imported into the U.S. have a serial number. There was also the 1934 National Firearms Act, which at the time was the most restrictive gun control law in history and required firearms to have serial numbers, but it defined what a firearm was fairly 
narrowly. So it didn't really apply to every gun. So an old gun made before 1968 might very well not have a serial number on it. And if it was just in someone's closet for decades, it may not be registered to anyone. So for all intents and purposes, that could be a ghost gun of the type Biden is referencing. Though many older guns still do have other identifying information on them, like a manufacturer number or something like that. But this really only applies to a small number of firearms, relatively speaking. Really, the way that most people obtain ghost guns today, in all practicality, is they buy the different components of the gun and then assemble it on their own. In fact, there are even gun kits people can buy that have the essential components of the weapon all in one convenient box. More recently, people have even been using innovations like 3D printing to print plastic guns without serial numbers. But all that is to say, these self-assembled guns are the type of ghost guns that are particularly troublesome for law enforcement and are probably what Biden is trying to crack down on with his recent executive actions. So what has Biden actually done to try to stop so-called ghost guns without serial numbers from getting into people's hands? Well. Honestly, probably not as much as you'd think based on the way the media has been sensationalizing the whole thing. If you listen to left-wing media, Biden's executive actions are one step towards safeguarding America from gun violence. And if you listen to the right-wing media, it sounds like Biden is one executive action away from trying to repeal the Second Amendment. But let's listen to what Biden says he is actually trying to do. I asked the Attorney General and his team to identify for me immediate, concrete actions I could take now without having to go through the Congress. And today I'm announcing several initial steps my administration is taking to curb this epidemic of gun violence. So notice what's being said and what's not being said. Biden doesn't say he will issue an executive order or anything authoritative here, contrary to what some media outlets have actually reported and sort of assumed. He's really talking about relatively narrow attempts to use existing gun laws to make it harder for people to obtain ghost guns. I've talked about the difference between an executive order and various other presidential actions in previous episodes, but if Biden issued a sweeping executive order, then maybe there would be something big happening here, potentially. Because an executive order is a relatively authoritative way for a president to try to change something. It basically says, this is what I want to change, and I derive this authority from this section of the Constitution or that existing law. Executive orders are legally binding and cite specifically the existing law or constitutional provision that lets the president do something. So if the president can find a legal basis, executive orders can provide a quick way to make big changes, even if they don't allow the president to rewrite the law per se. But if a president can't find an existing law or part of the constitution that gives him the authority to make a change with an executive order, he usually resorts to some other form of executive action, which is exactly what Biden did in this case. Executive actions like the one that Biden has actually issued, directing the Department of Justice to come up with new rules to help limit the availability of ghost guns is basically a suggestion that the DOJ figure something out to stop unidentified firearms from being obtained by people. But Biden's executive action doesn't really do anything in all practicality, and it isn't even legally binding. Maybe he will eventually try to issue an executive order on gun control, but if he does, we'll see exactly what legal or constitutional basis he's proposing for that executive order, and then it can be challenged in court by its opponents, who will invariably argue that the law or constitutional provision being cited doesn't support the executive order. But we just aren't there yet because no executive order has been signed by Biden in regard to ghost guns, and I'm not aware of an executive order that seems to be pending at the moment. But in all practicality, without a new law increasing its authority, what can the DOJ really even do with rule changes? Well, one suggestion would be to redefine what constitutes a gun. That is, the DOJ could try to redefine various gun components as being actual guns. That way, they could essentially require serial numbers, among other things, be printed on all other components of the firearm, and it would make it impossible for someone to make a so-called ghost gun by simply buying the parts and separately assembling them. Each of the parts would have a serial number, so the gun would basically be theoretically traceable. 
And Biden's Attorney General Merrick Garland essentially said the rule changes that Biden's Justice Department would propose would most likely classify gun kits as firearms so they could be regulated under federal law, which would include requiring registration at purchase and probably serial numbers on the gun components. Currently, individuals can buy kits that contain all or almost all of the parts they need to assemble a gun. Yet because of a gap in the ATF regulations, these kits may not be considered firearms. They are being made and sold without serial numbers and sold without background checks. Within 30 days, ATF will issue a proposed rule to plug that gap. At the state level, Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York proposed doing exactly what Merrick Garland is suggesting here in January 2020, before the COVID-19 pandemic started to dominate everything and all other political issues just fell by the wayside. More concretely though, in 2018, the Trump administration actually tried to ban bump stocks by doing exactly what Biden is proposing here. Trump's Department of Justice attempted to effectively ban them by reclassifying bump stocks as machine guns, literally, even though a bump stock is just a component that can be used to modify a gun. And since the 1986 Firearm Owners Protection Act effectively banned civilians from owning machine guns that weren't manufactured and purchased or transferred prior to May 1986, doing this basically made it illegal to own a bump stock, which didn't really come into existence in their modern form until the early 2000s. However, this executive action by Trump's Department of Justice was challenged repeatedly in court, and in March 2021 was actually blocked by a federal appeals court on the basis that a bump stock is simply not a machine gun since it doesn't meet various general characteristics of what a machine gun is. So I think that if Biden's intent is to have the DOJ try to institute a similar measure here, through requiring all or certain parts of a firearm have a serial number by classifying gun components as literally being guns, then I think you could expect that rule to suffer the same fate as Trump's executive action on bump stocks. All that is to say, Biden's executive action on ghost guns probably won't amount to very much in terms of actually limiting people from being able to obtain or assemble them. President Biden suggested during his press conference on gun control that his administration would write something called a model red flag law, which he hoped would serve as the basis for states and Congress to pass a similar piece of legislation. Now, a red flag law is basically a gun control regulation that allows either law enforcement or a family member of a gun owner to go to a court currently only state courts since red flag laws only exist at the state level, and to ask for temporary confiscation of firearms from a person who may present a danger to others or themselves. The gun owner then gets due process and a chance to give statements and present their actions to the court if they wish not to have their firearms temporarily taken away from them. If the judge finds in favor of law enforcement or the family member, then a set period of time is established during which the firearms will be confiscated and not allowed to be used by the owner. After that time period is over, the guns are then returned to the owner unless another court hearing extends the period of temporary removal. Now let's listen to how President Biden described the law he's proposing. I wanted to make it easier for states to adopt extreme risk protection order laws. They're also called red flag laws. And we know red flag laws can stop mass shooters before they can act out their violent plans. I want to see a national red flag law and legislation to incentivize states to enact their own red flag laws. Today, I asked the Justice Department to publish a model red flag legislation so states can start crafting their own laws right now. Now, of all the proposals that Biden made during his press conference, this one is maybe most likely to gain bipartisan support, since in 2019 there was actually a push by Republican senators to get red flag legislation passed following a series of mass shootings anyway. In fact, since 2019, there has been a bipartisan red flag bill proposed every year, including this year. The Extreme Risk Protection Order and Violence Prevention Act is a bipartisan bill proposed by Marco Rubio that also has co-signers from the Democratic Party on the legislation. It kind of lost traction due to the pandemic and multiple fights over stimulus bills and various other issues, but there is a scenario in which a national red flag law could pass. 
Plus, at least 14 states already have red flag laws, and it's not just Democratic-leaning states either. After the Parkland, Florida mass shooting in 2018, even states like Florida and Virginia passed them at the state level. Now, of course, that's not to say that all states and members of Congress support these types of gun control legislation. Back in May 2020, Oklahoma became the first state to enact what has been called an anti-red flag law, which basically prohibited local level red flag style rules to prevent cities or counties in Oklahoma from implementing these types of regulations on their own. Similarly, in Texas, there's been House Bill 336 kicking around since November 2020, which would do essentially the same thing. But the point is that red flag legislation has already been proposed repeatedly and exists in various states, so it's a little unclear why the model red flag legislation that the Biden administration intends to propose would really be necessary or help all that much since a bipartisan bill already exists and states can easily model their own bills on those passed by states that already have red flag laws. The real question is whether a national level red flag law has any chance of passing, or if Biden's administration should focus their efforts on getting states to pass these types of laws at the state level. And there are really two challenges here that would make it difficult to get a national red flag law to pass through Congress. First, and I guess ironically for the Biden administration, there may not be enough Democratic support in Congress to get it passed. Back in 2019, when Senate Republicans were pushing for red flag laws, the current Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer actually spoke out against them, calling them a cop-out that Republicans were trying to propose in order to look like they were doing something on gun control, even though these types of laws, he said, didn't do much to prevent gun violence. So I'm not sure that Biden can expect huge support for red flag legislation in the Senate when the majority leader from his own party has already issued statements that essentially say he isn't an avid supporter of these measures. And that's not even to say that Schumer would necessarily vote against this type of bill if the Biden administration supported it, but it's just unlikely that he'd be willing to expend much of his political capital to bring a bill he's not a huge supporter of to the floor of the Senate for a vote and gather up the necessary votes. A lot of the time in the Senate, it's not just about what bills members are willing to vote for, it's also about whether they want to expend their time and resources on supporting a bill if there's something else they want to accomplish that they view as more important. So this could make passing a red flag bill through the Senate particularly challenging. Second, and maybe more importantly, most Republican senators that do support red flag laws in the style of what President Biden is proposing don't support a national level law. They mostly support state level legislation. And this has always been the case too, even back in 2019, because when Republican support for these laws to be passed was strongest, senators like Tom Cotton of Arkansas and Lindsey Graham of South Carolina made it very clear that they were supporting states passing these types of bills and not the federal government. Here's Tom Cotton saying exactly this back in 2019. We shouldn't let mentally disturbed people have firearms. No. So the red flag laws that are under debate, um, first off, should be a state matter. The federal government can provide grants for funding or technical assistance to the Department of Justice the way we do in other law enforcement contexts. So the path forward on red flag laws in the U.S. for the Biden administration is more or less a positive one. But it is complicated regarding exactly how these laws would be enacted and whether they'd be able to be passed at the state level or federal level. One thing is for sure though, Biden's proposal of a model red flag law probably won't do much for any of those efforts since various red flag laws already have been proposed at the federal level and many already exist at the state level. So nobody really needs a model piece of legislation on this issue and it's more of a matter of the political will existing to enact red flag laws, which Biden's executive action here doesn't really do much to address. Thanks for tuning in today, and if you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And you can stay up to date on all our future content by liking us on Facebook or subscribing to our YouTube channel at The People's Pack. Have a nice day, and see you next time.